at first I was like, oh, you know, yeah, I, I do want to be a leader. I do want to run my mm -hmm. own business. This sounds, this sounds really interesting, but I don't know how I feel about painting. Right. Yes. I said, well, I don't want to be a painter. So maybe I shouldn't join this program because I, right. I don't anticipate growing up and, and running a painting company full time. But right. it, what was really interesting was just the focus on the life skills that you'll get out of the program and the leadership aspect and the management aspect. And I, I think looking back, so many of these lessons are universal, regardless of the kind of company that you're going to run or the kind of entrepreneur that you want to be, the same tenets absolutely apply. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Excited to be bringing you Jonathan Sither today, one of our alumni from, you know, close to 20 years ago. Jonathan had a, an interesting corporate career heading to finally the opportunity to go and launch his own business called Simple Tax. It's one of the fastest growing, one of the largest do-it-yourself tax companies in Canada. And they have a really, really fascinating model. They actually have their customers pay what they want literally pay what they want. So it, that'll be something to really listen to and what his habits are, what his values are, and how he's grown his business so tremendously over the past seven years. I know you're going to love this podcast, leaders. Thanks so much. So super excited to have Jonathan Sutter here, here today. I, I really appreciate you spending the time and, and, and contributing yet again to our business and these young leaders. Um, and uh, so just to sort of get started, John, you know, tell me what you were like before our program. And I know it was a, a while back before joining Student Works. Uh, I was always very driven um, mm -hmm. and involved. You know, when I was in high school, I was heavily involved in student council. Um, right. Yeah, actually, I was involved in the music program quite a bit. Um, but I was always driven to do, to do more and to do more for the students in the school. Um, right. I eventually was student council president, um, valedictorian in the last year. So I had a great time in school um, and really, really enjoyed myself. But yeah, I was definitely that uh, nerdy kid who liked to do things, but really liked to lead teams and get things done um, and, and have a great time doing it as well. So probably right. that's my background. Yeah, like again, one of the things that I find a lot of our leaders have in common is they've got a big, big engine. They, they, yes. they, you know, it's like you work hard, right? Like I work hard. It's just, and it's not a problem working hard. It's just who I am. I, I, I wake up and I like to do stuff, right? Well, and so this is a funny story. Um, I'm sure it's appropriate for this podcast. So actually, apparently, sure one day, my dad went to my mom because I was the kid who'd I'd stay up late trying to get more things done. Um, you know, I was just like you said, big engine. And I yeah. guess my dad went to my mom at one point and said, I think our son might be on drugs. <laughs> and my mom was like, well, what do you mean? And my dad's like, well, he's always doing things. And, you know, he's staying up late and he's, he's just so involved. And he seems to have this unlimited supply of energy. And my mom, my mom was like, I don't think this is drugs. I think this is just him being a, <laughs> a motivated teenager. So it yeah. was, <laughs> that was no. like, that was my dad's impression of my energy at the time. No, no. Like I said, it, it is kind of uh, odd. Um, I think it's kind of like people find each other and it's like, oh, wow, you're like that too. You know? Okay. Yep. But what, if you think back, and I know it's been a while, but what was your biggest frustration as a teenager, maybe with jobs or, or the types of roles that you could get before you got started in business? Well, you know what? I had an interesting experience. I, um, when I was in high school, I worked for Nortel. Um, okay. and definitely the younger listeners on this podcast may not, may not remember the company, but they were, they were huge. Um, yes. you know, they were, they were one of these large, secure places to work. You'd go there, you'd spend your entire career at Nortel. They, um, and, and people definitely did spend their entire careers there. 
In a yes. lot of ways, they were like Google before Google existed. Um, working in one of their campuses, they had, you know, open offices and ping pong tables, you know, all this stuff that, that you always hear about with, with places like Google. So I worked there as a high school student because I was always um, very technical. I was always interested by technology. Right. And at the time, I could build a web page, which was a pretty rare skill. Yes. That puts you ahead. Yeah. Well, so I went and worked at Nortel and that was, that was my high school job, which was a fantastic job. But here's the thing. Um, I was also there at the time when the decline began at Nortel. Now, again, I'm, I'm in high school. So when I look at a company like Nortel, I think super stable. Nothing ever goes wrong. This is a place you come and work. You work here your whole life and you know, everything will be taken care of. So one day I get to work. My entire department is just gone. I walk wow. in, it's a sea of empty cubicles. And again, because I'm coming after school, that's usually when right. I get there, right? Yeah. Three o'clock or so. Empty. No one's around. I'm walking around, have no idea what's happened. And uh, I'm walking by whiteboards, and somebody had drawn a picture of an axe on a whiteboard. And underneath oh, wrote, Nortel is coming to get you. Um, and you know, it was just this surreal experience because uh, I had no idea what was going on. And then eventually I found somebody, um, a software engineer, and he pulled me into his cubicle and he said, well, and I asked, where is everybody? He's like, oh, everybody got laid off today. I said, wow. everyone's just gone just like that. He's like, yeah. And so I asked him, well, what about all the work that I've been doing? And he's like, you know, that's all, that's all gone now. You know, we're, we're just throwing it all away. And he looked me in the eye and I'm never going to forget this. He looked me in the eye and he said, promise to never become like me. And I didn't really know what that, that meant at the time. But I, I think the important lesson that I took away from this is uh, you can't, and again, this is a weird high school work experience, but the, the lesson there is you can't rely on a large company to to drive your career for you. Um, right. It's something that you yourself need to be in charge of and, and control. Yeah. And I think it was interesting to see because for a long time, I assumed, oh, you know, you grow up, you go work at one of these large companies and that's your life. And, you know, and, and it's great. You could work somewhere fun like Nortel, but it was scary, but very, very profound um, when that happened. And so... I think that that shaped a lot of my career direction after that, in that I've always wanted to be in control of my destiny and not feel okay. that, well, I'm, I'm with, I'm with a company. I'm sure, you know, I'll continue to climb the ranks and everything will be okay. Yeah. So. Well, and just to, and you already recognized it is, is uh, for our leaders who are listening, Nortel was one of the top 10 largest companies in the world was, was literally Canada's, biggest and best and brightest company. Uh, and so Jonathan growing up in Ottawa, you know, it's like there's, you know, who, people are employed by the government, people are employed by these big companies. And so this is really, again, it's like, oh my gosh, the life is different. This was like a dream job. This was like landing yes, a job for sure. at the time. Like it was, and it felt like that. So yeah, it, it is like that. It was like that. And it's interesting. I know I was listening to Jeff Bezos the other day and he was saying, you know, he's expecting that Amazon will be out of business in 30 years. Like Amazon, one of the largest companies in the world, like that's that's how he's he's acting and responding. And, and just that these big brands don't last forever. We need to be accountable and responsible for who we are, how we operate in the world, you know? And so maybe I always loved the thought is, if I'm working for somebody, because I could have been working with someone, I'm, I'm not, I don't have to be an entrepreneur, you know, I, I, you know, I can work with others, um, <laughs> do that well, right? But I'm employed by them and I'm selling my services full time for a period of time. And I'm recognizing that I'm looking at other opportunities at the same time. I'm engaged, you know, just again, dependent on some, some company, yeah. which seems like a really scary thing to do. And it's great to get that experience at 16 or 17, yeah. however were so yeah. so when you think back on your your years with student works john what do you still rely on from the program well you know just to take one step back it's funny when i first heard about student sure. works on campus it yeah. was funny because at first i was like oh you know yeah i, I do want to be a leader 
I do want to run my own business. This sounds, this sounds really interesting, but I don't know how I feel about painting. Right. Yes. I said, well, I don't want to be a painter. So maybe I shouldn't join this program because that's not, I I don't anticipate growing up and and running a painting company full time. But what was really interesting was just the focus on the life skills that you'll get out of the program and the leadership aspect and the management aspect. And I I think looking back, so many of these lessons are universal, regardless of the kind of company that you're going to run or the kind of entrepreneur that you want to be, the same tenants absolutely apply. And when I think about the lessons that, especially once I was accepted in and we had um, a big kickoff in Toronto, and I remember right. you were there and, and you were really drilling in these, these core values. And I remember at first thinking, well, don't I just need to learn how to paint? Like, why are we talking about, you know, all this other fluffy <laughs> stuff? Right. But that is the stuff that truly matters. You know, that's the stuff sure. that makes the difference. And, you know, the tenants like, you know, I can't specifically remember what they are, but I, I'm, I'm going to guess at some of them. And you could tell me if I still have them. One of them is, you know, for sure. Do what you're going to say to like tell them do what you say. And yes, you know, it, it sounds so obvious and, and cliche, but you know, as my career has progressed and I've worked with more people, that is such a critical skill that people lack and makes yeah. a massive difference. Under promise and over deliver is another critical yeah. thing. And I think focusing on delivering something great, if you've got a great product, it absolutely makes everything else easier around. It makes the marketing easier. It makes hiring easier. Yes. Um, if yeah. you can deliver a great product, regardless of what that product is, whether that's painting a home or uh, manufacturing yeah. something, it doesn't matter. You build something great, everything in your business becomes easier around that as a result. So. You know, absolutely. Yes, I knew I didn't want to be a painter painter. down the line, but the lessons I learned through this program applied no matter which direction I go. And even if you ultimately don't stay in the entrepreneurial track, these skills make you such a different kind of, of employee and a person that just pushes you so far ahead of everyone else. So... Yeah. And you know, John, I see it even bigger than that. They're skills, but they're also just habits. So your habits are, I'm going to go do what I'm said. I'm going to go and promise here, deliver here. I'm going to go and and again, be aware of the quality that I'm delivering and really look to deliver an amazing quality, right? So it's just, you get that at 18, 19, 20, and then you just keep doing it. And then your skill set grows and you can deliver it in a better way. That's that's kind of how I look at it. That's one of the reasons why you know, the program's habits just keep uh, growing. Again, of course, we ha- there's no parking on Success Avenue. We, just like you, just like everybody has to, you know, keep in the game. But that's what I see. And again, it's not, it's not that we remember specifically what the values were, but you, you got it, right? Like, and the, the one value you're really mentioning was the four referability habits. So it's like that value just so matters. You know, do what you say, be on time. Uh, say please and thank yeah. you. Finish what you start. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. And you're right. Those, those apply to everything. And I think you absolutely said it right. Where these aren't things you just tick a box and you move on. These yeah. are things that. Yeah. And I think the reason why it was mentioned over and over is you're right. It's something you need to incorporate into the way you operate and, and the way you see the world. And absolutely, yeah. it's not something where you say, "Yep, okay, I've heard it. Check." Now I'm going to go do my job. Yes. Uh, it, it is a fundamental behavior that, again, it's something that I think at the time when you're in the room and and there were great people in the program and everyone's there and very motivated and very excited. You think, okay, yeah. well, sure, I guess everybody does this. So yeah. like, maybe this is no big deal. But it, when you get out into the world and you realize how few companies believe by these tenants, which you know, at the surface sounds so simple, you know, say please and thank you. You know, I'm I'm constantly saying that to my kids. So it really makes you realize that these are um, less common traits than you'd realize. Yes. And they, they absolutely 100% make a difference. 
Yeah. They, they literally set you apart and then keep setting you yes. apart, you know, for sure. Yeah. So walk me through your, your career progress. I know you spent one year working full-time at Queens, you know, tell me about that. Walk me through just the things you did, why you did it. Because one of the things, like I know right now, you know, it's, it's really amazing what you've created and the business that you've created. We'll get to that. But, you know, one of the things I, I love to sort of show for our leaders is it's no clear path. You know, it's not, oh, this is what, like, if you talk to me when I was in second year university, oh, you're going to be, you know, this head coach and spend your, your decades, you know, developing young leaders. What, what do you mean? Like, how's that work? You know, so please tell, tell us about that. John. Yeah, no, definitely. And you know what you just said, there's this, this concept of overnight success that you always read about. That's, that is not true. <laughs> not true. Maybe that's happened to a very, very small group of people, but the vast majority of successful businesses, they're not an overnight success. You know, it's, it's a multi-year sure. journey with its ups and downs, and you're just now reading about the success. Yes, that's exactly so it. Going back, yeah, so I did, work, um, I did work at Queen's actually over the summer in their technology department because, as I mentioned, I've, I've always had a, an interest in tech. But it's funny, I yeah. actually went to business school at Queen's, um, and the reason I went into okay. that, embarrassingly, was the, they had a fantastic brochure. You know, I read the brochure for engineering, and even though I was very interested in software engineering, the brochure talked about things like, you know, you're going to take this math class, and then you're going to take this computer class, and then it was very technical. Uh, it wasn't wrong. It was, it was just very factual. These are the things you're going to do. Yes. And then you pick up yeah. the business brochure for the uh, Queen School of Business, or I guess now the Smith School of Business, and it, it talked about things like, do you want to lead companies? Do you want to run yeah. your own business? And you read this and you get excited. So I said, yeah, I want to do that. And so that's how I ended up in business school. Even though I, I was always very interested in technology, the, um, the, the brochure was very aspirational. So I worked for the School of Business. I worked in their technology department um, just over summer, which is a great experience. But once I graduated, I gravitated towards a consulting firm in Vancouver. RPO management consultants, which were ultimately acquired multiple times, and now they're part of KPMG. But the reason I gravitated toward them is they were a smaller firm. They were a very entrepreneurial firm that, because of their size, I had the ability to get exposed to lots of different problems and really dive deep and not feel that I was under layers and layers of management. Um, Right. I had an incredible experience there. You know, it was a learning opportunity. It was an opportunity to work with government clients, private clients. It was fantastic. I was there for about three years and then decided I wanted to take a break and actually see the world. So coincidentally, at the time, my, my girlfriend, who is now my wife, she was graduating from law school and we decided, well, let's just go do this. Let's just travel around the world awesome. for a year. So. We quit our jobs, wow. uh, we packed everything up, and then traveled around the world for a year, came back to Toronto. And I always wanted to get into tech. And for a long time, I would say, well, how do I get in? Maybe I'll just keep reading these blog posts, or maybe I'll just keep, you know, sort of believing I'll get into it. But you know how you get into it? You just do it. You just get into yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. You, you don't just talk about <laughs> it, you just do it. So uh, I was in Toronto. And actually, uh, it was a connection through somebody where I landed a job at Syncaps, which, you know, going back to the importance of referrals in real life and walked in. It was the strangest interview of my life. He said, well, you seem like a smart guy. I have no idea what you'll do, but you're hired. And so <laughs> came in essentially as an internal consultant and then eventually became the VP of product for the company. We worked with some incredible brands, you know, BlackBerry. Again, for your younger, younger listeners, they were the yes. <laughs> it used to be an enormous Canadian yeah, brand. They were, they were <laughs> and so uh, them, uh, Coca-Cola, there were some great companies that we worked with through the social media boom, essentially. And right. then for a long time, I knew I wanted to have my own company. I wanted to revisit that entrepreneurial experience that I had with StudentWorks. And for a long right. time, I thought, well, I'm sure the stars will align. You know, I will have yeah. enough money saved. I will have the perfect idea and I'll, yeah. I'll get fired from my job and have no other opportunities available. And that's, that's when I'll start my company, you know, when everything is up. right. 
Well, Chris, the reality is that's never going to happen. You know, if you're the kind of person that, that incorporates those behaviors we talked about, there is always an open door for you somewhere. Are you enjoying the episode so far? I'm sure you've heard the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. I've always thought that saying was inaccurate. I believe more accurately, it's who you know who think highly of you and would be willing to refer you. I want to let you know, I put together an amazing package for you. The four referability habits advantage. These habits are so powerful that when followed, they completely change the game for people and allow them to operate on a whole other level. If you're interested in getting your hands on the four referability habits advantage, just jump over to www.leaderspodcast.ca slash habits and download it for free. These habits will help you gain the respect of everyone you deal with so that you can land those important referrals in your life and business. Once again, just go to www.leaderspodcast.ca and download the four referability habits advantage. Now back to our leaders of tomorrow podcast. Oh, no question. Opportunities will chase you in fact, right? Like, yeah, Yeah. yes, that's right. Hey, John here, come do this with us. Absolutely. Yes. You know, the, the likelihood of me being let go from a job with, with nothing, you know, and I'm sitting on saying, wow, there's no opportunities available to me. It was, was not going to happen. And so I just decided at some point that the fear of never having tried became greater than the fear of failure. And that's when I just decided to leave that company and, and start Simple Tax, which is where I'm at today. So that's my winding journey to get there. Awesome. But every step of the way, I've learned something that I am using today. So all those experiences have been extremely beneficial. Yeah, like just and and kind of adding it up, right? Yes. Like and meeting these people and and learning more about this business and learning more about that that business. So so tell me about simple tax. I can only imagine the the, the competitors you're facing and you know like holy jumping. You know, just tell me more about what what that journey's been. Yeah, like. so we started in in uh, 2012 and like tens of millions of other Canadians, I would file my tax return every year. And every time I would start, I would get frustrated because the software was in 2012, just not where it should have been. You know, we're seeing all these these great web apps coming out and and tax software still felt old and clunky and, and just not as usable as it should have been. And not only that, but every year it just seemed to get more expensive. It wasn't getting better. It was just getting more expensive. Right. So right. I thought, well, hey, how hard could it be to build better tax software? Certainly, it's not, not mm-hmm. that hard. Now, right. um, I previously mentioned my, my girlfriend, who's now my wife. So she actually graduated, graduated from law school, but uh, specifically, she became a tax lawyer. So, Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah, so we had some tax experience. I had my experience, my entrepreneurial experience, plus my tech experience. Um, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked with another uh, another one of my friends from high school who was a, a video game programmer at the time. So I had a great pitch for him on why he should leave all that and, and come build tax software. And so we started it with the idea that we wanted to build something better. The goal right. was we are going to build a better product. It's going to be uh, a, an easy to use product. It's going to be one that is accessible to people, and it's going to be one at it's going to be at a price point that that's going to change the market. So, right, turns out tax software is a lot harder to build than we initially envisioned. I can only imagine. <laughs> and it, there were some challenging moments. You know, again, today we're exceptionally successful, but right. it, it was not an overnight success, and it was a roller coaster getting there. You know, there's there's days mm-hmm. where you think you're getting closer to the end and then you'd get some specifications from the CRA and you know, here's 2000 more things you need to do. And you know what? Oh my God. You can either cry and be upset about it or you can just get it done. You know, you just roll up your sleeves and figure it out. There's just so much to that. Like, I just love it. Like there's just so much to, Oh, I'm feeling sorry for myself. Oh my gosh, the world isn't working for me or Oh, whatever. And instead 
no, the only thing I can do is get into action and get the thing done, right? Like, you know, client's unhappy or something's got to get fixed. Go work. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> Go to work. Figure master. it out. And then the best part is yeah. not only you figure it out, use this as a learning opportunity. Like it's, there, mm-hmm. there are so many of these moments where the difference is doing something or just being upset about the fact that that thing happened. And, you know, yes. you could be upset, but being upset is never going to fix the problem. You need to ultimately yeah. just do it. And, fix the yeah, problem. Exactly. And, and so yeah. I think that's where a lot of entrepreneurs stumble in their journey. You know, some of them, they, you absolutely need to get into something and, and recognize that the entrepreneurial journey is not all sunshine and roses. Yes. There, there are challenges along the way that will ultimately make you a better, stronger individual. Um, actually, great, great yeah. quote that I still forget. Um, and I'm going to butcher it a little bit because I don't have it in front of me. But uh, sure. a smooth sea does, uh, yes. does not make a great sailor. Great sailor. Yes. And, and yeah. so I absolutely believe that 100%. And so there were days where I, I basically woke up. We didn't have kids at the time. I'd wake up. I wouldn't change out of my pajamas. I would just drink a lot of coffee and sit at the computer and get things done. And, and you know, they were not, I was not the most attractive those days, but, you know, we, uh, we definitely, you know, things happened and we figured them out and we actually got our product. So every year we need to get our products certified by the CRA. And right. we got our product certified the first year. And I was talking to the CRA afterwards, one of the directors, and she said, no one ever gets certified their first year. Wow. I can't believe you guys actually figured it out and got it done. Yeah. And we said, well, yeah. And we're here. We're here to stay. You know, at first, our competitors, it's funny, every year we have a meeting with the CRA and all our competitors are in the same room. And in the first year, you know, okay. our competitors all just sort of ignored us the first year. Right. Then, yeah, next sure. year we show up, they realize we're serious. And, you know, they're all sort of, laughing and joking with us like okay yeah welcome to the party they are terrified of us now we know they're terrified of us now we've hired people from some of these companies and they told us to give speeches internally about what are we going to do about this simple tax problem or you know these guys they're out maneuvering us what are we going to do so the roller coaster there is it's you work hard but the, the thing i love about the entrepreneurial journey again is you work hard but you are the one that will realize that success, not somebody else, you know, not another company. It is something that you yourself, and even if things don't pan out, you're going to come away being a better, better individual than when you started. And so I completely forget the question, but. I'll I'll redirect, you know, first of all, you know, when we think about simple tax now, why are you doing so well in the marketplace? You know, I, I understand you've got like a free application. How do you make money? Yeah. Those were some of the thoughts that I, that I do. I, you've got two kids. Uh, I know you need to eat. Uh, you're looking pretty healthy. Um. <laughs> yeah. So we started again. We started with zero. You know, at this point, you know, we fought, we've filed millions of returns. You know, we've got That's so fantastic. like a high hundreds of thousands of active users at this point. You know, we're we are not a small component of the tax return market anymore in the DIY space. Right. How did we get there? Um, well, one, we built a great product. It's, um, right. It is incredible, especially in, in software, how companies almost sabotage their own success in some cases. So when we were building a great product, we stayed focused on one thing. Is this something that our users would want? And again, like those behaviors that you spoke about before, it sounds very obvious. You know, of course, we're going to build things that people want. But then why do you right. see things in products where, you know, it's things like, all right, if you upgrade to the more expensive version, there's no way of going back. And if you accidentally upgrade too bad, you know, you're, you're stuck there. You're stuck. And you can yeah. uh, erase everything you've done to that point. Um, or you can just pay us more money. You know, no user would ever say, I only want one way to be able to, to upgrade. Right. And so one of it is just do things that are in the user's best interest. Yeah. Two, listen to feedback. You know, we get a lot of feedback. We collect a lot of feedback. We actively solicit it. And then we incorporate yeah. that into, into our product throughout the year. You know, yeah. we're never too 
proud to say we've got the perfect solution. Uh, we're never too yeah. proud to say there isn't something new we can learn and something we could do better. Mm-hmm. Um, those are absolutely right. parts of the way we operate. And so that's we've stayed focused on building a great product. And then on the flip side of things, um, we've done that with a very lean team. And this has been very purposeful. It wasn't, if there's one, one element I've learned throughout this as well is don't get distracted by things that don't matter. You know, when you're building a company, mm-hmm. there are a million things to do. And it may right. feel like, oh, I've got to have really nice business cards. Or I need <laughs> to make sure I have a, a fancy office space. Or, you know, there's, there's yes. all these vanity metrics that people sometimes get engaged in um, that truly don't yes. matter. You know, at the end of the day, yeah. the fanciness of your business card is not going to make or break your company, especially when you're starting it. For sure. Um, so. Staying sure. focused on building a great product, staying focused on having a, a dedicated, smart team of people. So we didn't want to say, well, what's important is just having lots of people. What's important to us is yeah. having really great, dedicated people who love what they do and want to build yeah. something better. And that's the team we've built. Yeah. And because of that, we, we can operate with far few people, far fewer people, because we don't need the layers and layers of management that you sometimes get with larger companies. People just for sure do what they say they're going to do. Yeah, they're driven. Perform at a high level. Perform at a high level, and you know we trust we trust the team and give them the autonomy to do what's right, um, as opposed to having to dictate every every step that they need to take. And so, yeah, we've we've kept a lean team. We've built a great product, and then on the pricing aspect, yes, we're pay what you want, which out of the gate sounds absolutely insane, and definitely felt insane at the time, but. Part of the reason why we're pay what you want is um, I'll be cynical for a second and say it's sure. partially a marketing tactic. Okay. It's something that you can say, hey, have you tried this tax software? And people right away just turn off as soon as you mention tax software. But if you say, right. the crazy thing is they're pay what you want. And then right away, somebody said, what? Pay what you How does that work? Like, right. Even you brought it up in this call. You know, how does pay what you want work? Yes. It's, it's not a business model you see very often. And as a result, it gets people talking. It gets people talking about yeah. our product. But as we were growing, we also had a lot of media attention um, because of the payment model. People right. would always want to understand how it worked. Is it working? Um, how could you possibly build a company this way? And we got a lot of press that we wouldn't have got otherwise. So Right. So that's the cynical marketing angle. On the other, on the other end of things, what it allows us to do is the nice thing about technology is for us to deliver an additional return to somebody. It essentially costs us nothing. So nothing. Right. Uh, our goal is to build a lot of scale at that at this point. Yes. And one way to build scale is to offer your product um, at a price point that lots of people can use it at, and essentially just encourage more and more people to try the product. Now. Right. The thing about pay what you want is if you build a great product, what we've learned is people will choose to support you. And the thing about this model is it forces us in a good way to continue to deliver value um, in our yeah. users' best interests. If we treat people yeah. right, they will support us at the end. If we start doing things where you know it's clear we're trying to take advantage of their trust, that number yeah. is going to drop off. Yeah. So pay what you want. Is it working? Absolutely. This is our seventh tax season doing this. And, you know, as we've scaled, um, it's, it's worked really well for us. Well, that's so exciting. And there's a couple of things that really jump out for me. Number one, I guess, what it seems to me like you're doing is just hiring A players, yes. right? Like B players and C players. You know, C players actually cost you money. B players, they're okay. A lot of company have a bunch of B players. But A players, they're who really create the enormous value in your business. Yes. They literally need to manage them. They're telling you, oh, Chris, uh, here, uh, you know, we need to do this. You know, you're conducting feedback, getting feedback. And I love as well your whole space around I want to deliver amazing value, right? It's like for us, we want, we, we want to teach our leaders in, our, in the student works business, deliver amazing value for your customers. Yeah. They will give you referrals. They will happily pay you. And so we want to do the same thing. We want to make this a transformational event in their, their life that they'll never forget. You know, get, you know learn all these skills, learn and, and develop. So I love that. And that's, that's so neat. And the other thing as well is, is that 
people, there's the, a law of reciprocity. John, you can't give me something without me wanting to give you something back. Most people operate that way. Yes, I know there's some con people and there's some scammers on, this, on the edge of society. And what the cost for you, it's nothing. They got free software, right? You know, but most people don't want to do that. Most people, hey, you know, what's fair? Okay, great. So isn't that, that's so, so exciting. Yes. And you know, that you're able to work on that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to be clear, most people don't pay us, but that's fine. Right. We, we get letters all the time of people who say, I haven't paid you for the last three years, but you know, here's a hundred dollars because you know, I feel bad right. and you guys have done such a great job that I feel I have to pay you at this point. So that's awesome. That's awesome. And you're not going anywhere, nope. right? So your business model stand, right? And it's sustainable and it's growing. And we talk about our successes, but what about failures? What about mistakes? You know, obviously I know there must've been a lot of those, you know, do you want to share our leaders with our leaders about, about what that looks like? For a second, I make mistakes all the time. So I'm trying to think of the, the ones that are <laughs> the good ones. <laughs> I mentioned this before, if I had to pick a mistake, right. it's stay focused on the right things, you know, um, don't get distracted by the things that truly don't matter to growing your business, especially when it's new. Right. Stay focused on the things that are going to deliver long-term value. Um, it's very easy, especially in the, the tech startup space, there is a lot of noise. And you're going to think, oh, I need to go to this, this startup event. I need to go to this meetup and I need to talk to this person. I need to get, well, and that startup has fancy business cards and I don't. You're, you're going to constantly be comparing yourself to others. And at the end of the day, it does not matter what they're doing. But what matters is what right. you are doing. Um, and it's very right. easy to constantly compare yourself to these other people. But comparing yourself to them is not going to push your own business forward. It's just going to make you feel, right. feel crappy, essentially. So stay focused on yourself and, and making yourself better and pushing your own business forward. Other mistake I've made, let me put it this way, rather than sharing a mistake, one thing I do every day is try to reflect on, take a time to reflect on things you could do better. Take time to reflect, take a step back that's great and practice. say, I could have done this better today. And that's a great, that's a great practice. Not to be upset at yourself about it, but to figure out what you can yeah. learn from it so that, that the next time it happens, um, and it could happen again. You, you reflect on it again until it becomes part of who you are. And I think it's very important to have that introspection as you go along. It's very easy to get just caught up in the day-to-day -day and, and it's harder to take a step back and look at things from a higher level and say, this is an area where I need to be focused on. Yeah. Oh, I really need to fix this bug in the product, let's say. Well, right. this bug impacts you know a single person um, and it may feel really important, but really, I've got this other feature or I, I need to make a critical hire. That, yes. that is the more important thing that needs to be taken care of. Yeah. And it's very easy to get pulled back into the day-to-day -day because that's the tangible thing that needs to get done or the thing. Thing that's squeaking. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. Yeah. Um, if there's one thing I've learned, I need to take more time to take a step back and make sure I'm focused on the right things, not necessarily the most Make sure you're you're focused on the important things, not the urgent things. So if someone was considering venturing out into the entrepreneurial world, what advice would you give them, John? I would say focus on figuring out, focus on what matters to your customers um, and deliver value in an extraordinary way to those people. Because if you are delivering a quality product that gives value to people, people will pay for that. People, people ultimately, this is, if you're making their lives better, they will reward you for that. And I, I think it's hard sometimes, entrepreneurs think they might've found something, but maybe it's not delivering enough value or it's not delivering value at the price point that the entrepreneur wants to, them to charge uh, or wants to charge. So what I would encourage entrepreneurs to do is, one, um, identify an area, but don't get married to it right away. Iterate on the right. idea. Find something that you think mm -hmm. will work and then continue to iterate and either find success with it or fail fast. 
don't For don't sure. just push out your first idea and say this is it this is the perfect idea you know you get one customer maybe and say great this is we're going to scale based on this idea we're good don't don't put the cart before the horse you know iterate on the idea until you find that amazing idea and then continue to push in that direction and make that idea better and if it doesn't work out that's fine don't be upset about it you know learn fail quickly from it don't spend the next year sort yeah. of failing slowly with the idea try something else iterate on the yeah. idea until you get to that point where you have the success so um, constant iteration but and do that through feedback from customers because at the end of the day the thing that matters is your customers because they're the ones that are paying you yeah. for your idea um, all the, the all yeah. the other stuff you know whether whether you're friends or you went to this meetup and people think your idea is cool that doesn't that does not matter <laughs> software not cool you know, right away, anytime we went to a meetup and I mentioned we we're working on tax software, people would say, would be looking around the room, seeing if there's somebody else. There. So but, he's got to be dull. He's in tax, yeah, really, right? He's got to be boring, right? So yes. Out of all the startups I'm sure I spoke to, we're, we're one of the few that are left and thriving. So yeah, just keep pushing on, keep pushing on the idea, but, but keep iterating on it. And for everyone out there who who is thinking of ideas, um, don't just focus on the cool ideas while, while I'm talking about this, because there are so for many sure. complicated problems that people face every day that on the surface feel really boring. But these are problems that people need solved, and they will absolutely compensate you for solving those problems. Awesome. Awesome. I love that, John. Um, actually, one thing, actually, I, I jumped off Simple Tax. Can you share where you exist in the market or how, you know, that sort of thing? Just, I know you guys are a private company, but just to sort of give, give our leaders a, an idea of your scale. We are uh, one of the largest in the DIY space. I can't share exact numbers. Uh, okay, very, cool. And I uh, respect yeah, that. Yeah. Confidential in industry. But we're one of the yeah. largest. We're, we're most certainly the the fastest growing okay awesome i i like to think we're the most loved by far um if you read any review um, about our product it's uh, we get an overwhelming amount of positive feedback so where we are in the market we're definitely one of the the larger players in the diy space and uh, we're continuing to grow so no, that's that's awesome. And I love as well, like it's one of those things, John. And I remember when I joined the, the, the program years ago, it's it's like, oh, yeah, I care about your customers. Oh, sure. Got yeah. it. Right. Like, isn't that just like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. Right. But no, really care about your customers. Yes. Like, no, really, really. And and we continue to get amazing entrepreneurs or, or and also amazing senior leaders on our podcast. And it continues to be the same thing. And the more our young leaders get that, that no, they really are what matters. And sometimes it's, you know, obviously it's kind of listening to maybe the squeakier customers who sometimes can be a challenge, but it's listening to all of them to really gain, you know, what you need to gain to, again, improve your product, improve your service, really figure out what matters. Well, and going back to mistakes, and this is actually an important lesson. Yeah. You're going to make mistakes. For sure. How you handle those mistakes is what makes the difference. You know, yeah. if we make a mistake, our product's not perfect, but we yes. own up to that mistake and then we make it right for the customer. You know, right. in, in some ways, they're happier than before the yes. even happened because they realize there's people who actually care about them and want to build yeah. a great product. And then they become yeah. advocates and evangelists for, for what you do. And, you know, and this, this same lesson applies to when I was painting, you know, I made mistakes, things happen. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, if a customer is calling you to try to talk about this mistake, do you just ignore the phone? Yes. Yeah. Do you try to blame somebody else for the problem? And at yeah. the end of the day, the customer doesn't really care how the problem came up. They don't care whether no. your employee picked up the wrong color paint at the paint store because at the end, that doesn't matter to them. No. Now, what does matter is, is how you handle that. And you own up to the mistake. You say, here is how we're going to make it right. You make it right. And then they believe in you. And then ultimately, they believe in your business. And then they will tell others about the experience. And yeah. how you handle those mistakes uh, is so, so critical. Yeah. The other thing as well that jumps out for me is, hey, you might as well take 100% responsibility, yes. right? It's 
some of your responsibility. So, hey, I'm responsible for it all. Whatever happened, whatever, it's that's my fault. Wasn't even involved in the transaction as part of my business. That's my fault because I'm the head coach. So I'm, I'm it, you know, and what can we do? So, because the other thing as well is when people actually hear, oh, John's taking responsibility, it like literally takes a weight off someone's shoulders. Yes. Okay, good. Okay, they're, they're owning it. Fantastic, right? Like people hate to sort of see as well, like you kind of deflect, oh, well, that was the paint store yeah. or that was uh, my DM or that was my painter. No, I'm 100% responsible. My, my employee didn't do this. I didn't coach them well enough. I'm responsible. Even if you coach them that morning, you know, it doesn't matter. Just take responsibility. Well, and so. the customer loves this too. You know, how rare is it for somebody to show up after you've made a complaint about something and the person who shows up says, yes, I'm taking responsibility for this. I'm sorry. Yeah. Here's how we're going to fix yeah. this. You know, not, oh yeah, well, you know, this was sort of your problem because you didn't really <laughs> look over the contract yeah. as carefully as you should have, you know? And, and that's, those are the experience, sadly, those are the experiences most people have with companies, right? It's, it's, for it's sure. companies yeah. trying to find a way out of the problem as opposed to trying yes. to solve the problem. And then the story that they yeah. tell their friends is, well, this happened. And it's so yeah. hard to get it fixed. And, yeah. you know, every company is going to make mistakes. The great companies are the ones that take ownership for it and, and figure out how to make it right. Wanted to do what you did or have a big future like you have. Um, what habits would they steal from you? What, what's the secret to your success, John? You know, the secret to my success, um, student works management program, of course. <laughs> well, no, but, you know, part of it, learn from every experience in your life, because, you know, these are all tools that you want to have um, in your toolkit. If there's, if there's two things, one, work hard. I work hard. You know, I, and, I knew you were going to say and, that. Yeah. And uh, I, I enjoy it because I'm a firm believer in you need to do work that you believe in. And for everybody, that's something different and that's great. But there's a difference that happens when you truly believe in what you're doing versus just punching a clock, for example. Um, and that hard work doesn't always feel like hard work because you're building towards something bigger. But hard work is absolutely part of it. You know, I didn't get into this because I thought, oh, this is great. I'll work, you know, one day a week and kick back and yeah. do all that. Um, no, I got into this because I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to build something yeah. better. So hard work. And then the second aspect of it is be humble. You know, don't ever think that there isn't something you can learn um, from somebody or from an experience. Um, and, and I mentioned this with our customers. Don't ever think that, well, what you've done is perfect and it'll work for everyone. And there's nothing you can learn yeah. from that customer's experience with your product. So being humble and willing to listen and incorporate that into the way you operate just makes you a much richer and deeper individual as opposed to walking around and thinking I'm an expert at everything. Um, it's, it's magical when you're new at something and you can be a beginner because you, yeah. you're willing to learn from others and, and approach problems and, and try new things. And what's sad is over time, as you get better at something, a lot of those behaviors you start to close that stuff off because you think, oh, well, I know how to do this now. I don't need to try something new or I don't need somebody to give me feedback on this. But, you know, yeah. if you can maintain that beginner's mind, you will go much further. So it really is powerful, right? The, the humility, the I, I can always get better. What can I learn? I'm amazed by the success I've had. So, gosh, I'm blessed. And, you know, what can, what can we do? Right. Like just that's some regular uh, thing that keeps showing up on our podcast. Oh. So thanks for sharing that. And, and again, it's no, no surprise because again, hard work, humility, such basic, again, core values that, that, that make all the difference. So one final question, John, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? The leaders of tomorrow for me are the people who have strong convictions and live by their values. And I, I think right now, um, we live in a time where a lot of the leaders that we see, you know, they shift and move depending on the, the winds that are blowing. What I'd yeah. love to see are, are leaders who have a defined set of values and then act consistently with those values. 
and are pushing for something better. Um, but again, they're being consistent with their values. I, I'd much rather have a leader who I truly understand as a person. This yeah. is what they stand for versus a leader who just wants to be popular or wants to be liked or who just wants to do whatever they feel is best at the time. And I think people want to invest in the leaders who stand for something. You look at the best brands, the best brands are the ones we all understand. We understand what yeah. they stand for. The brands that, that don't do as well are the ones that are ill-defined or act inconsistently um, across the spectrum, you know, in some cases they're they're inexpensive. In some cases they are expensive. In some cases, you know, they're trying to be fun, but then they've got this really serious marketing. Like it's just have a yeah. set of values and be consistent with those. Those are what are going to get people excited and invested in you as a leader. Love it, love it. That's that's awesome. So, John, thank you so much for making uh, a contribution, serious contribution to the young leaders of tomorrow. Any time on the, uh, the pod with us today, um, you know, again, really, really appreciate it and uh, continued success. I know we'll stay in touch. Um, it's been an amazing podcast. Thank oh, you. My pleasure. I couldn't be happier to be on here. So thank you for inviting me, Chris. Okay, fantastic. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks, Bear. Bye. Hey leaders, we've got a ton more interviews like this one coming up in the next few weeks. So if you're listening and you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to Leaders of Tomorrow. If you enjoy our content, please give us a share on your Facebook feed or better yet, tell your three most driven and entrepreneurial friends about this podcast so they can join us in discovering what set these powerful business leaders apart from the crowd at such a young age.